Hello, and welcome to Codish, an exploration of the lives of modern developers. Join us as we dive into topics like languages and frameworks, data and event-driven architectures, and individual and team productivity, all tailored to developers and engineering leaders. This episode is part of our Deeply Technical series. Welcome to Codish. It's me again, uh, Julian Duque. I'm a senior developer advocate at Heroku. And we are continuing recording uh, from NodeConf EU, from the beautiful city of Kilkenny in Ireland. And I have the pleasure to be uh, talking today with Luca Maraski. Luca Maraski is a chief architect at Telus Digital, and he's very passionate about distributed system. He did like an amazing presentation about architecture and how, how they are like solving problems at the scale. So today we are going to be having like a very uh, technical and interesting episode about a subject that I'm also very passionate about. So Luca, tell us a little bit more about what you do at your, at your job and the kind of problems you are solving. Yeah, so I, I'm bringing some Italian sparkle and craziness into the Canadian ground. Uh, I'm working at Telos Digital, like you said, and uh, um, basically my, my job is to um, help everyone uh, to architect uh, the best uh, platform that we can, that can scale to all our customers, and basically converge uh, the world of developer experience with a world of customer satisfaction. Um, and at the same time, try to uh, innovate a uh, hundred years old uh, company and industry. So it's a very challenging and uh, different from my past uh, uh, experience. I think it's a lot of telecommunication company, right? Yeah, so Telos Digital is basically uh, the Telos.com website and the mobile apps. And we are the digital accelerator within the Telos enterprise company. Telos is primarily a telco company. However, we have businesses and interest in also health, uh, uh, civil. So we are kind of a 360 organization, but what our primary focus is clearly uh, telco. I come from a telecommunication background. I'm a telecommunication engineer myself. And I know that dealing with like or working with a telecommunication company, you are dealing with a lot of data, different like customers that are connecting to, to your system. So you will need to be thinking in in really big scale. It's not your regular common web application that is getting traffic. You need to start like thinking more about like complex systems, how to get those systems interconnected, how to think in like microservices and have like a very good approach to be able to serve. So why you don't tell us about what you were speaking today at NodeConf EU and how are you solving that problem for from a technical perspective? You, you nailed it, right? So we are, we are handling with massive quantity of data, right? That comes real time from our consumer users, so from the networking side, from all our behavior, uh, customer interactions. So you go on the website, you click, uh, uh, and there are a lot of millions of interactions that are going across all the system, right? So um, it's been a kind of very interesting journey, and that's what I was trying to tell to the audience this morning, right? Uh, the journey started when we look back into what we had. So this uh, complicated network of systems, duplicated systems, systems that they needed to interact uh, across different sides of, the, um, of Canada. And we, we kind of took a journey to think, uh, how can we change this? How can we make it more accessible, more self-serve? How can we improve uh, 
the process of data quality, for example. And at the end of the day, you know, this one is a fantastic exercise when you look at big data or AI systems, right? Um, but on the other side, it fits also perfectly a picture of uh, uh, serving uh, APIs at scale, right? Because we have millions of users that are using our online services, we have many that are also using uh, our offline services like the call center, for example, uh, or they're going directly in store and all these systems are connected and the experience needs to be a single experience. So we kind of took a 10,000 feet overview of the system and we said, okay, uh, where shall we start? And uh, we look at the Talos and the more enterprise world as an evolving monolith, right? So we started thinking, how can we break this monolith in pieces and bring uh, uh, values that are coming from modern uh, and evolving technologies like uh, functions, like uh, more uh, actor model architectures, right? Mm -hmm. And bring them to basically a, a problem that looks simple, but is super complicated, that is data, right? If I tell you data, you think about a database, but we are yeah. thinking about really hundreds of different data sources where it can be even an Excel uh, file, can be a text file, can be a Cassandra cluster, can be a Mongo instance, can be everything, right? Oh, let's not forget about Oracle, Postgres, and million of others, right? Yeah, and um, in the talk, I tried to walk uh, the, the whole audience through this process, right? So where we divide and conquer the problem, and we look at that a pure distributed system problem. So that was probably the nice engineering, math, science, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of craziness. Uh, I always say that I love uh, uh, some pepper on my pizza, right? Because yeah, it gives yeah, a little yeah. better flavor. And that I think it was as an Italian, I found, yeah, I need some pepper there, right? So um, the, we, we took kind of a, a very progressive approach on solving uh, uh, the data distribution problem, uh, you know, we could talk hours about data, right? Uh, but to go kind of to the to the nice uh, juicy part of this um, yeah, nice yeah. steak, we we actually kind of looked at a, a mesh approach, right? So we know that uh, our services they are moving uh, from uh, microservices to a more mesh, and the mesh serves to serves a, a very important uh, uh, problem, right? we need to solve the distribution. We need to solve the acceleration of developers delivering features and solving that logistical complexity on how to coordinate all these services. And we said data is not different than a microservice, right? We can do exactly the same. We, can, we cannot create a data function, but if we look at data structures, we have the graph that is a very interesting mesh. So that's how all the journey started, right? In uh, thinking of the data mesh from a monolith lake to a mesh of uh, ephemeral data that continues to get rehydrated with an actor model pattern uh, into this massive scale secure system uh, where read operations, they are basically, um, we use a, a purely physical approach. I have a nuclear physics background, so mm -hmm. I wanted to reuse uh, some of my years of university and say, well, action, reaction, right? That, that, that's why I started. And so um, we have this kind of streaming process that continually keep hydrated this ephemeral graph into Elasticsearch. So tell us the technologies and the stack you are using to solve this very interesting problem. So the different pieces that, that you are adding or the ingredients as you were mentioning when you were giving the talk, and we are going to be sharing your presentation also with our audience. You are like pretty much cooking 
and very engaging, like adding a lot of different ingredients to these uh, to this special dish you were preparing. So tell us a little a, a little more more about the different ingredients and the technology behind the architecture you are using. Yeah. Uh, working in a kitchen and being a chef, I experimented this life uh, and it was the most inspiring change in my life. Uh, I really learned about uh, leadership and how to drive uh, a team to success, inspiring them, delivering quality. And uh, that's why I, I'm so passionate about comparing architecture to uh, food and cooking in a kitchen, right? So when when we... When we look at this problem, you know, if you go on the market and you Google it or Bing it or use whatever search engine you want, you will you will find that there are many products that on the market can solve this problem and they are all uh, paid products. So we wanted to take a more provocative approach to the problem and say, okay, we why do we go for commercial project products? when we can go for organic-like products, something that is vibrant, something that we know where it comes from. I want to have a, almost, a, a, you know, that kind of farm experience. I want to know exactly where the different components uh, uh, were created and who made them, right? So you touch a very important uh, point. For, for me, it was very important to connect uh, my team and the organization with the makers uh, and have that kind of one-on-one -on -one relationship. So we, we took a purely open source approach and we decided let's go open source first and uh, cloud native as much as we can. So we, we are using, like you said, Fastify as a framework of reference to structure all our workers, all our APIs. And uh, uh, we are using uh, Elasticsearch as a very controversial graph database because, uh, um, like I said, we, we don't care about really the persistency, but we more care about the speed uh, and the way we can change uh, data structures without impacting uh, the normal you know, delivery processes, the development process, basically the governance around our data. We are using also uh, GraphQL as an edge uh, uh, technology. And why? Because you know, GraphQL is a graph. Elasticsearch is a graph. So we said, why not marry two technologies that they are almost uh, very similar, right? GraphQL is definitely one of the main component in this stack. We're using uh, um, TypeScript, uh, uh, not really to build applications, but just to define contracts, right? Yeah. So because at the end of the day, when you consume data, uh, I never believed uh, in the utopia of uh, uh, fully uh, denormalized data. And so what people might call like NoSQL or document-based uh, data sets, right? They represent uh, such a, they give us such a limited set of opportunities to change uh, that it becomes even more uh, costly and more difficult to change than a relational database, right? That's why we decided to use something that could we could change the the, the schema in the in the source, but the consumption is purely a uh, strict contract, right? So um, if you look, it's basically like uh, taking a step back uh, into uh, Thrift or um, Avro or any other schemaful contract system, and uh, we are still uh, using as a, a protocol for uh, transporting data HTTP. Uh, but we are clearly kind of exploring the world. Uh, we want to take it like two steps ahead and say, why don't we just use gRPC and uh, use HTTP uh, just as a simple 
uh, I call it purely public interface and privately we just work with a pure, you know, schema full approach, a more kind of RPC model, right? Because it fits perfectly this picture of evolution of how mesh goes, right? The mesh is transforming us from thinking into models and entities into purely RPC model because it scales better. We can work on way more organic uh, uh, and better design uh, algorithm to scale independently like tiny functionalities. We can use, uh, um, you know, cold start for something that is not so used. So th there is a lot of thought about modeling this data. And so that's why TypeScript, it's a nice DSL. It's nothing more than a DSL that we compile into different uh, uh, target uh, like uh, GQL schemas uh, or uh, elastic uh, schemas uh, um, or purely ORM-based uh, uh, kind of mapping schemas, because at the end of the day, data comes from uh, a Kafka stream, but it still represents the data set that basically was in the source of record. So we don't apply any massive transformation uh, at the source. We prefer to do it in this uh, stream processing layer, uh, because once again, you never want to change the source of record because we have so much flexibility at the edge that is way cheaper and faster. I saw that you were also using um, another technology to to manage the service mess. It, it was called Kuma. Kuma, yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about it? Uh, well, I'm I'm very passionate about uh, uh, Kuma and Kong. I uh, apart having a connection with uh, the founders, I have a very strong connection with the technology that is behind. So Kong, for uh, whoever doesn't know, it is uh, an API gateway. It's basically Nginx with OpenRest, Lua, and a lot of plugins on top. And I think it's a, such a, an elegant, well-written, well-designed, and uh, so versatile system for solving uh, uh, this, this challenge, this, this kind of nice also adventure of uh, terminating HTTP at the pure network level and going down with gRPC. It's so well integrated with also Kubernetes, right? So all those kind of points, they were a main driver on choosing Kong as uh, our gateway. And Kuma is a natural evolution when you think about scaling services from uh, um, east-west. Kong does mostly north-south. And in this kind of east-west, we, we look at the what is the best tool that we can use, right? So we knew that we wanted something Envoy-based. And then the choice automatically went down uh, to uh, Istio or Kuma. So the choice was very uh, difficult, right? Istio is a very well uh, uh, adopted and uh, known uh, uh, mesh system. Kuma was the, you know, the new the new boy in town, right? And we wanted really to have something uh, that was fitting a little bit this kind of fast evolving, more cloud forward uh, uh, mindset. And uh, Kuma is, um, I, well, I cannot say anything bad about it. it. It is fantastic to manage, easy to install. Uh, the experience in uh, uh, monitoring and tracing is phenomenal. It's new, but I think I never see the new as a negative side. I see it as a huge positive side to influence the uh, community around it, right? So it's fully open sourced. So we are able to just, uh, you know, contribute to it to help moving forward. If you look at the architecture, I think Kuma is definitely the right choice, especially when you look into scaling across data center and make a federated mesh. I cannot stop recommending. I feel like I'm almost a salesman for Kong, but 
uh, I'm, I think it's such an elegant piece of technology that I cannot be more enthusiastic of yeah, talking you, to everyone about it. You got me curious about it and I definitely will, will, will be checking it because it sounds uh, super interesting. This is what I love about open source. And, and you were telling it at the beginning, you took the chance to innovate and be able to add open source, be a little bit disruptive, instead of going on the, adding a, just a black box in your, in your solution, but you don't know what is going on in there. Yeah, maybe it's solving a problem, but you are lacking control, you are lacking the ability to be mixing and matching different products, different technologies, and create the architecture and solve the problem the way you want to do it and change it, iterate over it and be able to to have like a better version every time. So it's why open source is so interesting. And I've, I've been involved in the open source community for a while for the, for the same exact reason. You were mentioning some modules around Fastify and GraphQL. I remember the Fastify Elasticsearch was one. The Elasticsearch GraphQL connector was... Compose. Compose, yeah, yeah, it was the other one. Those modules were created by your team just to solve the problem, or you found them in the community already, somebody else solved those problems? We actually found them on the open internet, right? The most beautiful tool that we have and the most powerful one, right? My team uh, and the organization, we didn't uh, uh, have to build anything. It's mostly uh, that beautiful exercise of uh, taking nice food, uh, putting it together in the right order and make the most amazing uh, pasta or risotto or whatever Italian food you like, right? The sauce and how the sauce kind of blended together, it was so great because the ingredients that we found, they were all high quality ingredients. Honestly, it was so easy to take the architecture from a conceptual point that is, was purely on paper, right, on a whiteboard, down to reality, because we found exactly the tools that we were looking for. And I also saw you, you are using Apollo as a GraphQL server. I had the opportunity to work before with schema stitching, because that was the way you were able to connect like different services into one but it was not performant because like trying to connect those multiple things into one huge one, at the end you are going to end having like a monolith. But you mentioned something that I haven't heard before, which is Apollo Federation. Can you talk a little bit more about it? Yeah, so like I told you, we, we really, I really love distributed systems. I think uh, I could talk for days about it. And uh, one, of the, one of the problems that we, that we had uh, in uh, when selecting uh, the technology and the tools for solving that API complexity was uh, exactly what you just said, right? The op we went for GraphQL and we had only two choices, right? We either duplicate services, which means we have a lot of endpoints, which means that we basically go back to the microservices world. So the mesh, boom, would disappear. Or we would use schema stitching. A schema stitching, like you said, is basically creating yet another monolith because uh, how it works is that you take all the schemas, there is a stitching process that puts all the schemas together, and then they are deployed into a service. So when you want to scale this service, you cannot apply any smart routing, uh, uh, balancing algorithm, 
But what you are doing, you're just going for the old traditional round robin because they're all copies of each other. So the question is, is the match then the right thing to do? And I would say no. So Apollo was just launching uh, a federation. And uh, like I said, the sparkle of craziness, we said, let's try it, right? It fits the picture because with Apollo Federation, you actually centralize uh, only the routing logic. And uh, at this moment in time, I still think uh, that there is a long way before um, Schema Federation. It's really usable at large scale um, consumption because you still have a single point of failure that is the uh, Apollo Gateway. Mm -hmm. Uh, the gateway is a sort of router that gets all the different schemas and where those schemas are deployed uh, and does all basically the resolver kind of routing. Uh, but we actually see a huge opportunity. And I mentioned to you before Kong, uh, and we are using uh, uh, clearly Kubernetes. Um, and Kong is an ingress controller. So I actually see a huge opportunity to do some nice uh, community uh, experiment uh, and build a nice uh, Kong plugin that can support uh, uh, Apollo Gateway. Um, we the, the challenge there is that the gateway is clearly, um, I don't recall if it's fully open sourced. I think they have uh, a piece that is not open sourced because clearly there's the IP, uh, but we are actually looking into creating a, a case uh, to basically have a direct communication also with Apollo and say, well, why don't we try this thing? Because it would be massively impactful for everyone in the world, right? This one, I, I honestly believe uh, if you're asking me what would be the one of the breakthrough things that can happen, I would definitely tell you the moment that we can scale this federation, we are solving a massive problem uh, in uh, providing data access in a self-serve way and a cost-effective way to developers. So you really can draw that demarcation line between, uh, I want to say, back-end and API development and front-end consumption. And if you see how React is growing and React Native uh, uh, is growing and all these kind of technologies that are more growing into a, a place where there is the demarcation line is kind of clearly set and is pure responsibility of the client uh, to retrieve the data and not really of the server side to provide the perfect data set to the client, right? So you, you, you switch the responsibility between uh, uh, client and server, which is amazing because you basically take one step further in pushing this data mesh even closer to the edge. Yeah, this is fascinating. I just want to get back into the practice and start like building distributed system because I, I really, really love this subject. So I hope um, everybody that is listening to this episode also enjoy um, Luca's talk. Uh, we are going to be sharing that talk in the description of the episode. Uh, the videos are up so you can like see the beautiful presentation and the architecture they, they, they have been working at, at Telus. And Luca, is there any final words or recommendations you have for our audience so to get them as passionate, as engaged as you into distributed systems and solving problem at scale? I actually want to quote what you just said, like uh, go back and try it with your own hands. It's a beautiful world. Is uh, Honestly, we are, we are so lucky to live in uh, uh, this moment in technology. The, the technology landscape is changing fast. And I think distributed systems, they are really the future. 
uh, of developer experience, uh, of customer experience. Uh, and I would really tell everyone just uh, try it with your own hands. It's, it's something that is very effective because you, you literally feel the passion and the, you know, the, the spirit growing inside of you that you want really to scale it and try to find new ways, right? And that's, that's what I, I would actually tell everyone, just try and try to be as crazy as you can because there's no limit uh, to creativity. And another important point is uh, don't, try, don't isolate yourself uh, in trying uh, uh, distributed systems, right? The community is the best place where to test it, right? There are many people that they know different side of it, and the best solution comes from basically connecting with others and get inspired and, uh, uh, you know, get sometimes that small sparkle of craziness that will make you creating the next generation system. Yeah. So this was another Codish episode. Uh, let's wait until the next one. Thank you and bye bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Codish podcast. Codish is produced by Heroku, the easiest way to deploy, manage, and scale your applications in the cloud. If you'd like to learn more about Codish or any of the Heroku podcasts, please visit heroku.com slash podcasts.